am so excited to be here. My name is Zach, like he said. I want to introduce you to my family before we get started today. There's a picture um, on the screens for you guys. Uh, I've been married to the love of my life for almost 18 years now. We got married when we were 12, obviously. And um, I have three amazing kids. My oldest son is Caleb. He's the one in the blue shirt there. He's my little mini-me. He's my little athlete. And then I have my son, Austin, who is 10, and he's going on 15, eats like eight tacos, and the guy just loves food, and he's really, really smart. And then I have my daughter, Kinsley, who's kind of changed my perspective as a dad the last five years, like a different place in your heart when you have a daughter and in your pocketbook as well. And, um, and she's incredible. I love her to death. And so that's my family. I know I married out of my league. You don't have to say it. I'll say it for you, okay? And, uh, but I'm excited to be here and excited to be a community of faith. I've gotten to know a few of you guys over the last five months, but I would love to get to know all of you, and I'll be in the lobby today and every other Sunday and every Saturday night and would love to meet so many of you. I want to welcome those of you watching online as well. And um, Pastor Mark's been talking about kind of how do we make 2018 the best year ever? How do we have that comeback year? 2017 was kind of a hard year for a lot of us. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today about a lot of us, we've kind of chosen words for the year. Have you done this before where you choose a word and you kind of say, hey, this is my word for the year. This is what I want to be all about this year. I want God to use this word in my life to impact those around me. You know, sometimes some of those words um, are things like uh, health, or you want to be healthy that year, or intentional, you want to spend intentional time with your family. My wife's word this year is actually the word present, because she wants to be present in every circumstance in the home, where she's ever she's at in her life. My word for this year is going to be Whataburger, because I just want more of that in my life. I think you can never go wrong with a Whataburger in your life. But... The question I have for us today, too, is kind of what, what are we? Besides human beings, we are kind of the sum total of the decisions we made in our past that have led us here today. The decisions we're making today will lead us to where we're going to be in the future. And so what I want to do today is ask, ask us a question and talk about a big choice that I believe every single one of us have to make in our lives, in different areas of our lives. We're going to choose today the word surrender over the word control. I choose surrender over control. All right, so do me a favor. We're in church. I want you guys to participate a little bit with me today. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit out of your comfort zone maybe today, all right? So do me a favor. By a show of hands, I want you to raise your hands. How many of you love to be in control of something in your life? Raise your hands. Raise them up high. Raise them up high. Leave them up. Leave them up. If you are tempted right now to raise someone else's hand next to you, you have control issues, okay? You guys can put your hands down. I... I will admit that I am a control freak, all right? So it takes one to know one, all right? Maybe you're a control freak as well. We all battle these things about control. Maybe at work, you want to control the things around you. In fact, when something needs to get done, you ask someone else to do it. They're not doing it the right way, so you take it back and you do it yourself because you can, the only one that can do it the right way is you, your control freak. In the home, some of us are control freaks as well. Everything has a place, has to be in this place, has to be exactly where I put it last time. Maybe you got married and you're newly married and those things in your life are now on display for your spouse to see for maybe the first time. Did you guys know there's a right way to clean the dishes? Did you know this? Like there's two ways. Maybe you're in the camp of you just wash it off and throw it in there. The other camp, which I learned is the way I'm supposed to do it, is you clean it completely spotless, perfect, then you put it in the dishwasher, which is made to wash the dish you already cleaned already. But there's a right way to do these things. 
I know for me, my job as a pastor is so intangible that when I get home, I want to do something tangible. And something tangible for me is I actually like to vacuum. I like to see those perfect lines in the carpet. I like to mow because I like to see those perfect lines in the yard. And there's a right way to do that. You know, maybe you want to control certain people in your life. Maybe you want to control your kids. And you realize when you have two kids in diapers, you have zero control of your life. We had a two-year-old and a newborn, and they were both in diapers, and I realized for the first time we could not control this. And I remembered, I think my kids were like four and two, and my youngest son was still in a crib. And my wife and I were in Houston at the time, and we were, we were going to be going to San Antonio that day on a trip. And I remember my wife, we were trying to leave, and we always have a goal of leaving like at 10 a.m., and then we leave like at 2 p.m. Anybody else in that camp? And so we're trying to leave, and I'm, I'm trying to get him in the car, and my, I hear my wife going to my son's room, and all I hear is this, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. And I run in there, and here's my son, his diaper pulled off, poop in his hands, and he's throwing it around like a monkey in a cage. And I realized then we have zero control over our kids. Maybe for you, you want to control your spouse. Good luck with that one. I know um, it's funny. There's things in our lives that we try to control. I know from my wife, um, she doesn't have a lot of control issues. I have way more than she does. But a few things she has is right now, um, like, they, my kids do the dishes. They put the dishes in the dishwasher. They load the dishwasher. They unload the, unload the dishwasher as well. And they put them in there. And then my wife will come back later and she will rearrange everything in the dishwasher so we can fit like three more things in there. It's like the Tetris of dishwasher. She's amazing at it. And then my kids will put the dishes away and she'll go back later and she'll open the, the silverware drawer and she'll rearrange the silverware so it's perfect for later. We have these control issues in our lives. I don't care about controlling this. I care about controlling basically everything else in my life. I'm a massive control freak. I like to control the schedule. I like to control the money. I like to control the kids. I like to control everything that I can possibly control. Anybody else had that imaginary brake pedal when you're in the passenger seat of a car? Because they're not driving the way that you would drive? I've actually had thoughts of like, I'm going to touch the wheel while they're driving. I'm going to take the wheel. In fact, we have a staff member, we go out to lunch a lot, and she has a larger vehicle, and I'll say, I don't, do you want me to drive for you? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, she thinks I'm being nice. I'm being controlling. So maybe this message today will help with you. Maybe you're the master of the remote control because you have control issues. Because we all know, guys, it's not what's on now, it's what could be on that we're missing right now. So we, we, we make fun of it, but here's a real, the reality is this. Whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, it's actually a reflection of a really big spiritual problem in our lives. What we're doing is we're trying to tell God, you know what, I got this. I can be God in my life. I have control of my life. I know what's best for me. So what I'll do today is I'm going to look at one of the most often quoted, most popular verses in the Bible. I'll tell you right now, it's a difficult one to live in your life, though. So even if you've heard this verse a hundred times, I want to challenge you to hear it like you're hearing it for the very first time today and apply it to the control things in our lives. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. How much of our heart are we actually trusting to God? Is it all of it or is it part of it? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. 
That word submit is a Hebrew word, and it's translated as acknowledge. The word actually means to know. It's referencing when Adam knew Eve in the garden. It's an intimate knowledge of another person. It's saying that we are to trust in the Lord with everything, every bit of our heart, not just part of our heart. In other words, I'm not anxious about anything, but I'm trusting you, God, with everything. We're to submit to him. When we do that, we don't make our path straight in our lives. He does, not for us. But here's the problem. Many of us, you will see in, this, in, in your life, as you look at mine here for a little bit, the more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. The more that we're afraid of losing control, the more we try to get control. The more we try to control, the more we lose control again. So you're on this vicious cycle of fear in our lives. Essentially what we're doing is we're edging out God, we're pushing out God, and we're saying, God, I want to control this. I got this. There's an example from the Old Testament, what I, would con- what I would call control gone bad, like really, really bad. The problem is whenever we try to take control and we're not surrendered to God, we rarely ever get it right. We're going to talk about characters, and their names were Abram and Sarah. I later changed to Abraham and Sarah. It's anyone that ever battled this issue of control, it was these two people. One time when Abraham was really afraid for their safety, he lied. He took control. Instead of saying, this is my wife, he said, this is my sister, which we know in certain parts of our country, those are one and the same probably. It's okay, you can laugh if you're from that area that I'm talking about. But he tried to control the situation. The biggest example we have is that they were childless. They really desperately wanted to have a kid and it just wasn't happening for them. And then God came to them and he made Abraham this incredible promise. He actually said, you are going to be the father of many nations. That's an incredible, incredible promise. And then what happened? Nothing. For a very, very long time. And I can picture Abraham and Sarah thinking, God, you made us this promise. You said we were going to have a kid. I know we're old, but you said we were going to have a kid, and it's not happening, and months and months and months are going by, and nothing is happening. Then they do what so many of us do. Sarah, when God's timing wasn't her own, she decided to take control of the situation and try to bring about the desired outcome her own way. It's a perfect example of control gone bad in Genesis. Chapter 16, it says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her, taking control of the situation. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. So basically, God made a promise. God's timing was not consistent with their timing, so they took control, and control went bad. If you don't know what happened next, let me tell you. Some of you may know the story, but maybe not the whole story. It's really mind-blowing how one controlling situation can actually impact centuries to come afterwards. So what happens is, Abraham sleeps with, with Hagar. She becomes pregnant, and she has a son. His name is Ishmael. And then just as God had promised, Sarah becomes pregnant. She has a son, and his name is Isaac. If you look at the lineage of Ishmael and Isaac, it's stunning. Out of Ishmael, you actually, actually comes the Palestinians. Out of Ishmael actually comes Muhammad. 
On the flip side, out of Isaac becomes the Jewish nation that also comes Christ. And so you can see what's interesting about this is, is that years later, you still have the, the tension between the Palestinians and Jews, the tension between do we follow Muhammad or do we follow Christ, all because thousands of years ago, control went really, really bad. It's not happening in my timing, in my way, so therefore I want to take control of the situation. And there is a massive, massive spiritual lesson that I hope you will write down. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. Don't ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. It just won't end well for you. But in all seriousness, chances are you won't be tempted with that option, but you will be tempted with something. I don't know who it is, I know what it is, but you'll be tempted with something. But he, there's someone here who will be tempted to take control of the situation in your life. Examples, maybe you're a single Christian girl and you're looking for that amazing single Christian guy so you can date, but you can't find him. And so you just settle for a guy. You're like, hey, he's got a cute smile. He's got a job. Doesn't live with his parents. That's all I need. And, you, and, and you're sitting there going, I know we probably should share the same beliefs, but, but, but I really want to be dating somebody right now. And I can change him over time. Maybe it's a financial issue. You're struggling. You've been around the church for a while. You know, just like Pastor Mark just said, you know that like you need to seek God first and put him first in your finances as well. And you know that where your heart is, your treasure is as well. And you know you need to do those things. But right now you're saying, you know what? I want to be in control of my money. I want to be in control of my finances. I don't want to give it to God and see what happens with that. It could be people at work trying to delegate stuff, not doing the right way, so you take it back. Some of you, nobody here, there are probably at other churches around the area today, but they're what I would call helicopter parents. These are parents that just hover over their kids all the time about everything uh, and try to control every situation. They hover and they hover. Hey, little Johnny, I know you have a science project. Let me help you with that. And help you with that turns to, you go to bed. I'll, I'll just have this done for you in the morning. It'll be great. You'll get an A. It'll be awesome. I know right now from helping my kids with their homework, I am not smarter than a fifth grader. I'm just not. Like, I don't know what common core math is, but I hate it. Like, I don't know what a win window pane is. I'm like, I know how to get the answer. I don't know how to show that I got the answer. And trying to help my kids is really, really hard, and it's easy to hover over them. It's easier when your kids are getting picked on to say, you know what, I'll talk to their mom for you. Don't you worry, I'll take care of this. We, we want to protect our kids. You're going to go get the mail, put your helmet on, put your knee pads on. Can't be too safe out there. We want to protect our kids. I actually read in the Huffington Post recently an article that was pretty shocking to me. It said of recent college graduates, 8% of college graduates took one of their parents with them to their job interview. 8%. Let me give you a little tip. If you want to interview here at Community of Faith, leave your mom in the car, all right? Leave your mom in the car. She may drove you here, and that's cool, but leave her in the car. Here's what I want to do for a moment. I want you to think about it for a second, then I want you to write it down. If you have that program you got when you came in and you have a pen, I want you to look at there and write this down. What are you trying to control? Are you trying to control your kids? Are you trying to control your grown kids? Are you trying to control your grown kids' kids? Like, they ain't raising my grandbabies right. I'll take care of this. Are you trying to control your finances? Trying to control your job future? Trying to control your spouse? 
Like, you're not wearing that in public, are you? Trying to control your image or what we project on social media anyways? What are you trying to control? Write it down for a minute. Now, if you don't want to write it down, just prove my point for me. Just sit back and say, I'm not doing this stupid illustration. I'm not doing what he says. I'm controlling this moment right now. So what are we going to do? We're going to ask ourselves, is this something that is really mine to control? Is this something I'm supposed to trust in the Lord with all of my heart? Lean not on my own understanding and all my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my paths. I'm going to choose surrender over control. So what I want to do right now is I want to give us three questions. It's kind of a filter for us today as we're asking those questions in our life when we're saying, when is the right time to choose surrender over control? You can ask yourself these three questions. Number one is this. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? In other words, there are so many things that people are really upset about and really want to spend their time concerned about. If you don't know what those things are, just go on Facebook one day and you'll see what everyone's concerned about. It's all over the place. You can see what everybody's upset about all the time. Just scroll through your Facebook feed. And I want to give you an example right now from a leadership perspective as a pastor. I've been a pastor for 18 years. I've had the opportunity to work at some incredible churches and, um, and one of the things that, that I love to get to be a part of is come in and just come alongside of other staff and help support them in their ministries and come in and just look at the ministries and evaluate them and say, hey, what can I do to help us tweak this and make it better than what it is right now? Now, if I came in as a new staff here at Community of Faith and in five months and I was saying like, I was walking into things and I was saying, well, that's bad and that doesn't look good and that's not great, that would demoralize people. What I want to do is I want to choose my battles wisely. I want to come in and I want to say, man, that's amazing. Let's throw some fire on that and make it burn even brighter and see what God does with that and see how God uses that. And one thing I learned as a leader is that you have to have tolerance for things that wouldn't be done the same way that you would do them. Because right now, if you're, real, if you're building an organization or building a business or anything else, you've got a choice to make. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You have to empower people. You have to let some things that are minor and say, those really aren't worth my concern. Those aren't worth the battle to choose. In a relationship, you can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. The problem is sometimes we get stuck on some things that really aren't that big of a deal and we're hurting our relationships on things that really aren't worth our concern. I have to ask myself, in the grand scheme of life, is this really worth my concern? For example, is it worth my concern? Is it really worth getting upset, freaked out, miserable about the proper way to fold towels in your house? Is there really a proper way? You guys are like, yes, actually there is, Zach. I mean, don't get me started on the fitted sheet. Can anyone actually fold a fitted sheet? I just crumple it up and throw it in the closet. That's what I do, all right? Another question, does it matter that much if for one day your child walks out of the house and they don't perfectly match and their hair isn't perfect? Does it really matter? Five years from now, when they're trying to get into good college, are you going to be like, well, sorry, I, we can pinpoint the day. It's when you went out in the house and that one shirt with your hair all jacked up. That's the reason you're not getting into college now. Is it really worth our concern? I was thinking about that this week. And um, 
one thing that kind of drives me crazy in my house is my, my daughter who's five and she's amazing and she has an incredible personality. She's really, really, really sassy. I'm going to be in big time trouble when she gets to middle school. And, but she has an amazing imagination. And it takes her all of about two minutes to take everything out of her room and put it all over the upstairs of the house. Because she's, Daddy, I'm going on a trip. And she goes out and she puts her blanket on the ground and, and she has all of her pretend food and all of her stuffed animals and everything. She has about 20 dresses, princess dresses that somebody gave us. And she puts all of them on every day, every single one of them. She just outfit change after outfit change all the time. And it's really, really fun and cool until it's time to go to bed and we have about an hour's worth of cleaning up to do. And it drives me crazy because it's nine o'clock at night and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this stuff. We have to clean this up. Can we just get rid of all of her stuff? Can we lock her in a room? What can we do? Can we give her adoption? What are, we, what are we doing with this girl? And it dawned on me as I was prepping for this message that the very thing that drives me crazy is the very thing when she goes to college in, in a few short years that I'm going to miss. And it made me think it's interesting how things that drive me crazy, are they really worth your concern in the long run? Ask yourself that question. Because some of you, you're getting upset over things that really don't matter that much. And we're hurting our relationships, and we're hurting our intimacy, and we're probably driving our kids crazy. Is it worth our concern? Question number two, when you think about surrender versus control. Is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Is it something I should do something about? Honestly, sometimes the answer is yes. I think most of us know that we, we can't expect God to do everything for us. God wants to do some things for ourselves as well. There's a difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. There's a difference there. It doesn't mean you're relinquishing responsibility. For example, if you're messed up financially, you don't just sit around and go, okay, God, you gotta, you gotta come through for me. Just give me some money. And God's going, I gave you two hands and two feet. Go work. Don't spend so much. Spend less than you make. Get a second job. Do something about it for yourself too. If your marriage is in trouble, what can you do? You can adjust your heart. You can examine yourself. You can suggest like, hey, maybe we should come to this marriage thing series the next four weeks together and come every single week. Let's do that together. Maybe we should try counseling. Maybe we should get into a small group. If your child is making bad decisions in your home, you can be available to that kid. You can build a bridge. You can keep open lines of communication. You have to play your part to do whatever it takes as a parent. If you're a single guy and you want to get married, you can't just say, God, like, find me a spouse. You can do some things about it. You can quit playing Pokemon Go all the time. You can get off the Xbox a little bit. You can take a shower, brush your teeth, get out of your mom's basement. All that kind of stuff that you can do on your own. So ask yourself quite honestly, is it mine to control? And if it is, then do something about it. If it isn't, then it leads us to the third question. So number one, is it mine to, is it mine to control? Or sorry, is it worth my concern? Number two, is it mine to control? And number three, is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Is this one of those areas that I'm trying to desperately control, but is not mine to control? This one is for me to surrender to God alone. In fact, if you, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, and these are the words of the Apostle Paul, and he was actually chained to a Roman guard. He was under house arrest, and he, and he penned these amazingly powerful words. And once again, if you've heard this before, hear it in the context of the situation that you're walking through, that you wrote down today, that you're trying to control. Hear it in that context today. He says this, Do not be anxious about anything. 
I'm in a moment of truth right now. How many of you were anxious about something last week? Most of us, right? Anxiety happens all the time to a lot of us. But it says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, by prayer and petition, what a lot of times that we do, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, is we try everything else, and then when those things don't work, we go, well, I guess I better pray. And I can imagine God going, man, it must be bad if you're coming to me now. You're waiting to talk to me about this now. Like, it should be our first line of defense is taking it to God because casting our cares on him because he cares for us. There's nothing too big or too small to bring to God. He wants to hear all of our requests because if it's important to us, it's important to God. Scripture says we can go boldly before the throne of grace. We have access to God. He hears our prayers. He says with me, all things are possible. We can go before God with thanksgiving. Why? Because we know that he hears us because we know that he cares for us. We know he's working on things for those that he loves. We can say, I can take this person, I can take this prayer, I can take this situation, I can take my future, I can take all those things and I can give them to God. And then it says, this is what happens in verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do we do when there's something that we can't control? We say, God, this one's actually yours. I present this to you. I trust this to you, not just part of my heart, not just part of my situation, not just part of my family. I give you all of it, and I trust you with it. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on your understanding of my situation. You're saying, I acknowledge you. I'm letting you know me. I'm giving this to you. And what does God do? He gives you a supernatural peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. We had the amazing opportunity during Hurricane Harvey to go around and just get to partner alongside of some families that were walking through some really tough mess in their life. And several of them, they were handling it amazingly. And I was like, how are you doing this? And basically, they didn't say it in these words, but they were saying, this situation is for God alone. I can't control it. And I'm giving this part to God. And so when people would ask them, why aren't you a wreck? They would say, I don't know. I think it's just because I'm giving this situation to God. I can't control it. I'm giving it to him. And it's so freeing when you release those things to God and you don't try to control them. Maybe today you're married and your spouse is making bad decisions and you're asking yourself, can I control this? Can I change my spouse? And some of you think you can. Let me help you out. No, you can't. You can make your spouse miserable. You can make him or her crazy. You can drive him or her away. You can maybe help conform behavior for a little bit until they resent you for it. But you can't change your spouse. But can God change your spouse? Yes. My spouse is for God alone. I trust you, God, with that. Can you physically heal your body or the body of someone you love? They've got cancer. Can you go poof and it's gone? No. But you can give that to God. Can God heal people? Absolutely he can. Can you control your kid's future? This is the one I want to try to do all the time. No, you can threaten them. You can drive them away. You can create a wall of mistrust with them. But can you control their future? No. Can God be actively involved in their future, leading them in the right and the wise ways? Yes. Ultimately, we can invest in our kids. We can pray for them. We can set an example for them. We can create an environment and a home full of love and pointing them to Christ, but we can't control their future. 
So as we close today, when we are trying to control these things in our lives, we have to remember to ask ourselves these three questions. Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God alone? And a lot of times it's not. The, the mind to control piece, but it is the part for God to control. I'm gonna give you guys an example as we close today that in my life in 2017, the reason that I talk about surrender over control is because it wasn't my word for 2017, but God kind of made it my word for 2017. I was at another church here locally for about eight years, and, uh, and God was doing amazing things in our ministry as well, and our, and our time of ministry, it, it ended there. And in that moment, I tried to control my future, tried to control where God was leading my family, tried to control that entire situation, and until I finally sat there and said, God, this, is, this sounds like this is for you alone. I need to surrender this in my life. And then when that happened, that's when Mark Shook called and we began a relationship and, and we started this process of coming to community of faith. But until I sat down and said, God, this is for you alone. This is not for me to control. And that's when God began to open doors. And today there's something that you're trying to control. I don't know what it is. But I want to encourage you. Is it for God alone? Can we look at God and say, I trust you with this situation. I trust you with him or with her or with them or the situation or my job or my future or whatever it is.